You're listening to the Real Women in Business podcast. I'm your host, Cass McCrory, and in this podcast, we highlight women in all kinds of businesses. For yourself, someone else, full-time, part-time, overtime hustle, together we will learn from and with one another. And if we get it right, it'll lift us all. Let's get into it. Friends, I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Shelby. I've worked with Shelby for like a dozen years in various capacities, and we went places I did not expect us to go, and I'm so thrilled. We're going to talk about some goals and how setting them can both feel right and wrong in the moment. We're going to talk about the greatest advantages we have as women in business today, and we're going to talk about some light things about how we find joy and how we just embrace where we're at. And, oh my gosh, my favorite part being the charcoal. You won't want to miss that. Thanks for tuning in. So I'm super excited to welcome you, Shelby, and I'd love it if you would share a few words about who you are and what you do. Well, thank you for having me, Cass. That's very kind of you. Uh, My name is Shelby Ruane, and I work at Accenture, which is a management consulting company. And currently, I'm in marketing for inclusion and diversity, and I'm responsible for Accenture's International Women's Day program. That's kind of the big thing that I do. And that just wrapped up. Yeah, yeah, it did. March 8th was International Women's Day, although the month of March um, is Women's Month. So we have a lot of uh, gender-specific things still happening. Awesome. So I know that's not how you and I met. So I'd love to know a little bit more about the journey that got you to where you are today. Sure. Uh, I I kind of fell into my job about (laughs) almost, uh, well, definitely more than 27 years ago. (laughs) I know. Um, I had gone to college for media kind of mass communications. And I'd hoped I was going to get into like video editing. That was really what I wanted to do. Um, and then maybe some writing along those lines. And I had, well, I was working for the Chicago international film festival as their media liaison. And, and as a result, I found an internship at Accenture with the media and analyst organization And then nine months later, I kind of parlayed that into a full-time job, which has lasted several million years. (laughs) And and yeah, so I've done, I can say that I've actually done every single job there is to do within marketing, except obviously like chief marketing officer or something (laughs) like that. But I have done, I've taken on all the roles and responsibilities over the course of my career. And that was, um, that's been thanks to uh, an environment which uh, encouraged that kind of movement so that you could learn and grow. Um, yeah, but the, we met um, when I was working on a program called the Accenture Global Convergence Forum, which was a big flagship client event. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And I know now you live in Chicago, but that was not always the case. It, it wasn't. Um, in fact, I, um, yeah, it was one of the things that I sort of set out early on to figure out was what I wanted to do um, after a few years. And, and a mentor of mine explained, she said, well, 
can tell you what I did, which was I, I wrote down my two-year goals and my five-year goals. And then once, and she said, I actually had to write them down. And then once you think about it and write them down, then then your brain in the background will automatically start thinking about the things that you need to do to accomplish those. And um, so I started on my two-year goals and I wrote three things. I wrote that I wanted an overseas assignment. I wanted to be promoted to manager or I wanted to um, go and get a journalism degree at Northwestern. And so I, I did all the things that kind of, you know, I put feelers out for the overseas assignment and then I, um, and then I started working hard towards being promoted and I applied, did all the things to apply to Northwestern and, and I got all three at the exact same time. Um, and so I had to make a decision and I thought, well, Northwestern and the journalism degree, I can get that later, the master's. And so I'll just go take this promotion and take this overseas assignment in Paris and see what happens after that. And I, I really never made a kind of plan thereafter. I just stayed in Europe. Um, I, I lived in Paris for 18 months and then I lived in London for five and a half years and um, lots of different locations along the way and thereafter. But, but um, those were the two kind of longest assignments. That's so interesting. So you made a two-year plan, had three things on it, and they all, you know, to use modern woo-woo language, manifested at the same time. <laughs> they did. They did. And it, so it was good advice. I mean, it, it, she was right. Like, it, it did kind of always stick in the back of my mind, like, this is what I wanted to do. And it was prior to having family and kids and any obligations. So why not, you know? Do you have a two-year and a five-year now? No, not even remotely, no. <laughs> because, you know, I'm sort of at the the latter half of my career, and I know that I've probably peaked within my organization to some degree. And so if I want to do something different, I'm, I may do that in a few years, uh, and then, then it would probably be completely different. Um, I have a dream, and, and I know no one will understand this, but I really, really want to work at a grocery store putting carts away, picking up carts from the parking lot. I completely and, understand this. Okay. <laughs> I and completely I understand it, on, it. Yes. I only, yeah. I only want to do it on days where the weather is beautiful. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's what I want to do with my life for the rest of my life. <laughs> I completely, I think yeah. anybody that's ever worked in a major consultancy will understand this sentiment of having a start and a finish yes, and it being just so completely succinct yeah, and non-dependent. Yeah. And, and actually, and, and not a lot of thought process going into it. It's really just kind of, you could enjoy the day. That would be lovely. My not not saying I don't enjoy my days, but yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Outside enjoying the day. It would be great. (laughs) My, my second option is barista. Like, I just feel like I would just really love that. You know, I would just be able to churn out drinks, be finished, write something snarky on a coffee collar and call it done. (laughs) Like, I just feel like what fulfillment. (laughs) Making up names every day. Wow. Right. Like, wow. Yeah. yeah. Case. Here we go. Um, that's how that's how everybody always ends up putting my name on a coffee collar is C A S E. And it's like, really? That's what yeah. you're going for. All right. 
So this isn't what you exactly imagined today. No, no. What do um, you... Yeah, no, but you know, I, I have, I've always kind of had this idea that you make a plan when you make a plan, God laughs kind mm-hmm. of thing, because life just throws you so many different curves along the way that it's not, it's, it's kind of not in your best interest all the time to have a plan. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go with it a lot of times. I kind of go with the flow. I've witnessed that in you. And I think that it's so inspiring. Well, thank you. I, I don't think it was always that way. I don't, I definitely know I was not always that way. I was very driven for a period of time. And then, you know, again, life throws you a curveball, and, and it makes you reassess what you, what you think you want. So yeah, and now I'm happy. I have my family around me, and I have a lot of flexibility in the role. And I've seen the world; it's been fabulous. And so, I, yeah, I've gotten a lot out of it. Learned a lot. So you you wear this hat with you know women and inclusion and diversity within Accenture, which is huge and obviously mm-hmm. a gigantic priority of the company. What do you see as the greatest advantage that women have in business today? Um, You know, I thought a lot about this and it was hard to think, to actually think of something Um, because I grew up in an environment in a home where my mother had her own businesses and property and, and all that kind of stuff. And she she was self-made and it never occurred to me for one second that there was any difference between males and females in the workforce. So I didn't know any better and I've never acted as though there were any differences. And maybe that hasn't helped me over my career. I don't know, but, um, but I've, I'm just fairly direct and I just kind of go with it. But I, for, for those who have had that experience and do see the world through that lens, I would say that right now, just being a woman is the greatest advantage because at the moment in time, this, you know, with the Me Too and all of that, there is a lot of focus on leveling the playing field for those who aren't being paid equally or for who haven't had um, certain experiences. And um, I, I do, you know, I'll, I'll just, all of a sudden I reminded myself of something. So I'll, I'll just say this. I, I remember sitting in a cafe when all that kind of um, Me Too stuff came out and there was a table of women sitting next to me and they um, they were saying, well, now what do these actresses think? You know, if you're going to go into that business, you kind of have to expect it. And all the women were nodding their heads and saying that. And I and for the first time after having joined the inclusion and diversity team, I thought to myself, that I was incensed by that conversation. And I never would have thought that of myself because normally I I just don't think about it. But I I thought to myself, there is no excuse in the world for anybody to treat anybody unequally. So should a lawyer expect to go into the job and be, you know, asked to sit on the the couch, if you will, or uh, treated differently or any any other role, a, a nurse, 
would she expect to be on the casting couch? And and I was I was outraged by the expectation that women have of women. And um, so that's kind of that's been interesting. It's been an interesting journey in that that regard. So I just think that right now women have a lot of um, power on their side, kind of, and therefore are allowed to kind of make new rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. I think I grew up similarly. You know, my mom worked. I didn't have, you know, kind of some traditional mindset about what it would be like as a woman. And and I think that really served me. And it definitely helped me when I became a mom not have like conflict personally about being both. Right. Oh, definitely. Because it was what was modeled for me. For sure. Um, and I do, I do see this idea of being a woman as a great advantage right now, because there is a leveling of the playing field. I think I personally, I find some conflict with that because, and I, I was speaking to a, a man just, you know, a few weeks ago about something and he, he didn't get a promotion that he expected mm-hmm. and a woman did. Mm-hmm. And he made an offhanded comment of, well, of course, in this, mm-hmm. in this situation, a woman would get it over me. And I mm-hmm. took a beat and I said, I, I want you to just take a moment and just hold a little space for the idea that maybe this woman was actually more qualified and mm-hmm. better than you were. Yeah. Or equally as qualified. And the choice was just based on someone's gut gut instinct for the role. Right. That it didn't actually, she didn't get it for some advantage that she had. For gender. Yes. And I found Mm. myself really upset by that. That, That that was the assumption now. Yeah. And that's happening. I mean, there's no doubt that um, we're experiencing it, like that kind of feedback um, and, and concern, really. And so for Accenture, you know, our, our discussion has evolved a lot from just gender specific stuff to mm-hmm. creating this workplace culture where everybody feels like they can advance and thrive. And that's regardless of um, any kind of gender or ethnic minority group or um, orientation or disability, just or, you know, it's where diversity, I mean, just where you come from. In fact, that's the diversity is the greatest advantage. Mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, the truth of that is what will carry it. Yeah. Yeah. Well. So you didn't talk about something, but I want to talk about it. Okay. About greatest advantage. I okay. think that more than any other woman that I've ever worked with or for, and I've done both with you, mm-hmm. you are an amazing nurturer of talent. That's nice of you to say. I'm not sure if that's always recognized as uh, an advantage, um, but I have always personally uh, felt um, uh, that that was a, a great achievement of mine. So thank you for saying it. But yeah. yeah, I and I enjoy it. I enjoy getting to know individuals and and understanding what makes them work. And and you really do. You bring out the best in people, not just in you know the work that they're delivering, but in who they are as people. 
And I, I've always really appreciated that. Well, thank you. That is, um, <laughs> that is the nicest thing anyone could have done. <laughs> you do have noticed and to say something. So that's great. Thanks. Knowing that and, and having that, how, how could you coach or help instill in young female leaders that are getting these promotions? Like how, how would you begin to coach that into a practice for people? To coach that into a practice? Well, uh, I don't treat people equally. I treat people exactly as they want to be treated, I think. And so that's, that's probably um, what I would suggest is not this, you know, not the kind of golden rule of treat everyone the same or treat everyone, um, you know, how you want to be treated because that's not true. I just kind of want to look at individuals and see what they bring to the, to the party and then what we can do to help them um, really shine with that, with that capability or that kind of aspect of characteristic. So that I would say, just look at who the individuals are and, um, and try and find out what they're really good at. And <laughs> that's actually like the great advice that I, I would say, like the, for the women starting out. And it's, it's what I say to my, my daughter all the time, although I use a kind of college analogy, but it's the same for when you're starting at work. And it's the, it seems like, you know, the most obvious thing, but I always tell people to figure out what your boss wants and give it to them. And, and that sounds like captain obvious, but, but I mean it in that they, while you may be delivering the same um, project for four different individuals, they're going to want some, they're all going to want it either in a different way, or they're going to want you to work differently, or they're going to ask for um, certain elements that come out more strongly. Like some people may be more data driven and some people may be more narrative driven or whatever it is, you know, visual learners, uh, whatever it is, figure out what your boss wants of you and give it to them. So, you know, the kind of basic thing is there's some bosses who like you to constantly be at your desk available, but they're not so concerned about other stuff. And then there's other ones who will give you all the flexibility in the world, but like a deadline is the only thing they care about. And and those are the little things that you can do along the way that will keep you top of mind. So like kind of in your earlier example where there was a, a gentleman, a man and a woman going for a same job and they may have been equally um, uh, capable. It, it could just have been that she figured out what those little things were that, that drove her, uh, you know, her manager, whoever she was working for. And, and that was the, the turning point that helped, you know, kind of balance, tip the balance, if you will. Yeah, I love that. And it feels very practical and kind of Dale Carnegie inspired, you know, how to win friends and influence people. But, but true. Yeah, yeah, it is. I just, I mean, I, I learned this like in, in high school and college, like just, there were professors who wanted you in class talking and, and, and there were professors who wanted you in their office hours and there were professors who wanted you to read the book. And in order to kind of like cut through 
through all the like having to do it all. I just wanted to figure out what what it was that one thing. And I I mean, I had one professor who really just enjoyed chatting in the office hours. And so I was supposed to turn in these three huge assignments and I only turned in one, but I still got the A because he was like, well, I think you understood the purpose of the <laughs> exercise. And so it's okay that you only kind of did one third of the work. And and that was, that, you know, that worked because that's really what he wanted was to, un, to, to make sure that I learned something. So there you go. That's brilliant. I love that. Yeah. yeah. So I know that, I know from being in the same space as you, you're always getting pinged and people are always asking questions of you and, you know, mm-hmm. you're seen as a go-to person on like a, a million different things, but I'm curious, what are people always asking you about today? Well, because I'm working on international women's air have been, it's, um, it's mainly about that. I mean, if, if you think about it, it's it's actually Accenture's largest event that they, they sponsor. So it's like 50,000 people internally and 3,000 clients and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's, um, there's a lot of asking, asking those very pragmatic, practical things like, how can I get something? Um, but on a, a more existential basis, I, I think that um, having been at a company for a long time, you know, all the back doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so folks ask me, you know, is there any way to get this done or something else done without having to go through, um, you know, finding something on the, uh, finding who's responsible for it and then, you know, seeking them out and then going through the formal route. So that's, that's me. Institutional knowledge. You've got it. Thank you, Cass. That's very, very clever. Yes, perfectly. <laughs> I want to get a little personal. What What's bringing you joy? What brings me joy? My daughter brings me joy. Yeah. She's just so fabulous. We went through a really tough teen year period, like five, six years where I just didn't think we were going to make it. And now she's just so delightful. And so I'm, she brings me a ton of joy. And then I'll tell you what, Bob's Burgers, the TV show Bob's Burgers. (laughs) (laughs) If I ever need, like if I'm ever glum, I just get in bed and turn on Bob's Burgers. And I'm happy again. It's all good. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I'm so lucky that I have gotten so many good stories from you. And I really want to have this one documented on, you know, for prosperity, if you will. All right. Well, will you tell people the shut the door story? Oh, for sure. (laughs) Oh yeah. So, um, when, when my daughter was very little, I don't even remember how old she was. Um, I used to speak to her in French. She went to French preschool um, and even pre-preschool, like, you know, kind of early school. And so every night before bed, before like putting her, shutting, shutting the door, tucking her in, all that stuff, I would say to her that I adored her in French. I would say, je t'adore, Madeleine. And she would say, je t'adore, mom, you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, and then, one day I, I said, as I was putting her to bed, I said, je t'adore, Madeleine. And she said, mom, 
why do you always tell me to shut the door? <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> I thought she could understand, but she never did. I laughed. I did laugh hard. She's I, so cute. I love that story. And Lexi loves that story. You oh, told no. Lexi that story, gosh, like six, seven years ago, and she just still remembers it. And I, I think the thing that's really lovely about it is that you were communicating your love and she felt that even though what she heard was <laughs> shut the door. Was shut the door. It's like that literally means Shelby, anytime you need to say I love you, you could be like, you know, listen, just shut the door. All right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. It's our code. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We have lots of little little codes in fact. So, that's that's the best bit. Like um like uh when she was um, growing up, we had uh, a code word for if she should get into the car with a stranger or even a friend. Um, like if something had happened to me, cause like once I had an appendectomy and, uh, you know, and so like, and so appendicitis and I had to be rushed off to the hospital and, and I didn't want her getting in cars with people, even if she knew them. And so we had this code, it was um, accidentally vanilla. And I always thought that would be an awesome name for a band. And it came from the fact that she was at Great America once and she got Dippin' Dots and um, she got chocolate Dippin' Dots, but there was one that was accidentally vanilla in there. Oh. And, and so she'd, we'd always talk about that and I'd be like, except for that one time where it was accidentally vanilla. And, and so that was our little code, accidentally vanilla, which I do still think would be a funny band name. Fantastic band name. Absolutely. And I feel like there must have been like an after school special or something around this time where all of our parents and, you know, everybody felt really instilled in providing a code name to let you know that you should get in the car with... Right. I mean, to my life, I can still, ours was cool runnings because the Jamaican bobsled team had just like done their thing. Oh, that is so funny. And I still remember this. And um, to this day, like if somebody were to pull up to me in a car and be like, cool runnings, I'd be like, I got to go with this person. I don't know where we're going, but this is clearly important. My mom sent them. Like, I know. (laughs) I know. I love it. How do you define your version of doing it all? Oh, golly. Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm in the camp of you can do it all, just not at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it may not end up with everything all at once. I think that's really where it's at. So you do things in different stages of your life and sometimes your life dictates that. And sometimes you dictate that. Oh, I like that. Tell me more about that. Well, um, you know, I mentioned that my, my daughter went through really tough teen years. And so as a result, I took a step back from my career and focus on career and focus on family and what we could do to kind of help make, ease her journey, if you will, and, um, help her out. So that, that focus then became on being home and being consistent and doing all the things I needed to do to help her. And actually (laughs) in lots of ways, my parenting uh, skill that I learned was how to, um, to just 
let her be and let her speak and let her voice, you know, kind of get stuff out and be the charcoal for her. So I could just absorb everything she said without having to comment or try and fix it and, and all of that. So that was a big focus for us for a number of years. And now I'm pretty empty nest now, so I can, I could potentially focus on um, my career, but it's just, um, I'm still figuring it out. I like it. I like this idea of being the charcoal for somebody. That's a really, like, that's such a high level of service. Yeah, well, um, I, I call my daughter Princess Button Nose. And um, Princess Button Nose has moments, and I think every child does, where they they just need to get something out. And it's the it's almost like vomit, you know, where it's like better out than in. And so they have this brain vomit that comes out and that's something they've been thinking about and they just absolutely have to get it out. And it may not be true, but it's roiling around in there and they, um, they, they focus on it and it festers. And so once they get it out and you can just say, wow, that sucks. That's your being the charcoal, but just going, wow that stinks. Um, yeah. Then, then they're better. We're so much better if you don't help them, which is by the way, why I love Bob's burgers, the mom, she's the best charcoal in the world. She's uh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I've been, I've been working more in some coaching, some executives and clients and it's been really interesting, but I found the greatest way of which I can be of service, at least initially is to hold the bucket. Like okay. there's just so much that just needs to get out. Yes. And it's like, you just need to hold the bucket because so everybody needs somebody to hold the bucket and just witness yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally understand. That. And I can see how you'd be very good at that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm loving compliment. it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. I Yes. You'd be very good at handling a bucket full of vomit. You know, I bring that skill to almost everything I do these days. So that's, <laughs> it's apropos between four yeah. children and two dogs and clients. It's like, yes, yeah. I basically just deal with shit and yeah. vomit all the time. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. Well, and, and, you know, as Lexi's turning into an, uh, oh, to a yeah. preteen teen, you're going to, you'll do it more and more. <laughs> but I like this idea of charcoal even more because it feels um, like there's a, there's a cleansing property to it. Whereas yeah. the bucket is less so. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Yeah, that's right. You're the yeah. charcoal. You just kind of soak it up and cleanse it and let it go. Yeah. yeah. I love that. What is something that I should have asked you, but we haven't talked about? Golly, I have no idea. Oh, you didn't ask me the book I give the most? Oh, yeah. What book do you give the most? I give the book. Um, it's called The Psychopath Test by John Ronson. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I do. I give the book to everybody. Someone will come and complain about their boss or uh, someone they're working with. And I'll, and I'll be like, have you read The Psychopath Test? <laughs> And then I either send it to them or Audible or I order it for them and I send it to them because it was so fascinating to me to learn about how many people in our midst are psychopaths or close to, you know, yeah, those and all of that. And then it maybe makes it feel as though you're not crazy. It's just that they're, they're off. Yeah. So I feel like that would save me a yeah. lot, 
a lot yes. if I had actually read that <laughs> and <laughs> adhered to it. All right. We've got some lightning round questions. Okay. I go through these with everybody. Your, okay. Your go-to jam when you need to up your energy. See, I'm really bad with rituals and stuff like that, but right now it's kind of like um, uh, 90s, early 90s, late 80s alternative. So there's no specific, specific okay. one. Mm-hmm. I love how Spotify will just give you playlists on that type of thing. And you're like, yes, this, that's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What time do you wake up? I wake up when the sun comes up or in the winter, like the latest I'll sleep ever is 7.15. What does breakfast look like? Uh, Okay. So breakfast for me is just a complicated thing. And I hate that. But, you know, I know I'm supposed to eat certain things and blah, 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 you know, for your health. (laughs) So I finally found this uh, food, this food plan thing, but called personal trainer food. Mm. And, and they have these frozen omelets with sausage that are so yummy and you put it in the microwave and it steams. And so it's not like it's microwaved. It's all steamed. So yummy. Minute and a half in the morning. Perfect. Solves my problem. So. Love it. Mm. Coffee or tea? One for them. Uh, it would be tea. Morning person or night owl? I used to be a night owl. Before I had a child, and then I became a morning person. Mm. What can someone do to help you feel appreciated? Gosh, you you did it. It was um, recognizing some piece of work that I've done that are some way I've gone out of my way. So I I felt appreciated when people notice. I love that. I think noticing is. And being curious about what's around you is like the greatest gift you can give to yourself and to everyone. Cause what a, it what must. better way to live than to notice it? Yes. That's like sort of mindfulness at its essence, isn't it really? Yeah. I'm yeah. terrible at meditation though. So don't ask me about that. Do yeah, you meditate? A, I, um, yes. And, um, inconsistently like everything in my life inconsistently and uh but I did take a transcendental meditation course which is very different even though it's like similar um different to to other types of meditation like breathing meditation all of that it it gives your mind something to do other than counting and so it's um yeah it's pretty special 20 minutes it's perfect where did you take this course? Was it an in-person thing or was it online or how did that work? No, in-person at the like transcendental meditation centers around yeah. the, the globe. Yeah. And it's not cheap. Like you spend a bundle of money, but I'd say it's worth it because it does absolutely um, kind of relax you and energize you at the same time. Um, so I wish I did it more frequently, but sometimes life gets in the way. Very true. Thank you so much. I really loved chatting with you and catching up and sharing you with hopefully lots of people. Well, that's nice. Yeah. I didn't even know you had a podcast, so I'm excited to hear. Yeah. This is season one. So I'm, I'm, this is new. I'm trying it out. I said it was something that I was curious about. 
I'm and so glad. Fun. Yeah. You know, why not? If I don't try things and, you know, either succeed or fail miserably, then I don't but even know who I am anymore. But that's you. You are like the curious kind of innovation, try it out. Yeah. You're a sort of try, try or die kind of gal. So. I am. I am for yeah, sure. I love, that. I love that. Take take a take a risk, but a calculated one. Right. Yeah. I'm not jumping off of bridges without a bungee cord here, but <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. All right. We'll talk again soon.